People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. And as you've come to expect from our show, author interviews with well-established authors, with debut authors, the books that you will be reading, you will hear about first here on Chai FM, and People of the Book will be interviewing the authors who you'll be hearing about and reading shortly after the show is over. And so, for our first guest today, we have joining us on the line from the UK, Leslie Carra, the debut author of a new book called The Rumour. Welcome to our studio over the line, Leslie. Hello, very pleased to be here. It's, it's wonderful to have you. And before I do the introductions, I'm going to ask you to please introduce yourself to our listeners in your own words and on your own terms. Okay. Um, well, my name is Leslie Cara. As you said, I'm a debut novelist. I was a teacher and manager in further education for many years, but... Uh, then after a period of ill health and a couple of operations, I, I took some time off to convalesce and, and decided to start writing. Um, I, I've, been, I've, I've been writing bits and pieces all my life, but I've always had the ambition to write a novel and, and get it published. So uh, that's what I decided to do when I had the time to finally you know, devote myself to writing. And th- there was a devotion because you are an alumna of a very famous, a very famous uh, program that's run in England, it's called the Faber Academy, writing right. a novel course. This is quite a springboard for many writers. Can you tell us a little bit about the Faber Academy and your experiences on the course? Okay, yeah. yeah. The Faber Academy course has got a really good reputation, and um, it was something I wanted to apply for. Um, it's a six-month course, and it's part-time. You know, you meet in the evening and, and on Saturdays. And I think that really gave me the permission to sort of, it was a turning point for me. It, it gave, I, I gave myself permission to sort of pursue my dream and, and take myself seriously as a writer. Um, it was great because you're in a group of about 15 other people who are all giving you feedback on your work. And, and, and that's really, you know, really valuable. And, and, and you're also able to meet professionals from the from the industry and, and tap into this incredibly supportive network of writers so while i don't think a, a creative writing course can teach you to write it can give you the the confidence to continue and, and give you the the tools you need to sort of improve your work and edit it and make it better so it was it was a brilliant experience for me and did the rumor grow out of the faber academy writing course Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. The line's not terribly uh, clear. Did, Sorry about that. Did the book The Rumour grow out of your the, the, the Faber Academy writing course? Oh, I wasn't right. Sorry, I, if, if I heard that correctly, because I, I can't hear terribly well at the moment. Um, the the, the rumour, I wasn't writing The Rumour on that course, no. I was writing a different novel. Uh, yeah. Let's I've written, I think the rumour is about the fourth novel I've written, about the first novel that has been published. <laughs> We're going to have an ad break, but I'm just going to dangle uh, a carrot to all the listeners to continue listening. Because okay. as soon as we return, I want you to tell us the basic premise of the rumour. We will be back in conversation with Leslie Cara straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We are in conversation with UK debut author 
Leslie Kara, the author of The Rumor, and I've just asked her to tell us what is the basic premise of The Rumor, once again, in your own words. You want me to try? I, I, it's hard. You want me to tell you what, what the room is about? Yeah, okay. the basic premise. Yes. Yeah, basic premise. Yeah. Okay. Well, it takes place in a small seaside town, a, a very British sort of seaside town, and it tells the story of a single mother called Joanna, who's an estate agent, and one day she hears a rumor at the school gate that a notorious child killer from the 1960s, someone who was just 10 years old when she she killed a little boy, is now living in the town under a new identity. And Joanna makes the mistake of passing this rumour on, of mentioning it one evening at her book club. And before long, this small seaside town is is awash with paranoia and suspicion, and, and, and fingers start pointing. Um, and as someone who's been instrumental in escalating the rumour, Joanna soon finds that she's put herself and her little boy Alfie in very, very real danger. And I can't say too much more without spoiling the plot, but that, that's the basic premise. It's a, it, it's, that is the premise in a nutshell, and it's a great springboard for a, for a domestic thriller. What, yes. what drew you to use a rumour as the basis of a novel? Well, a rumour's like a little seed, isn't it, that starts to germinate and grow and grow. And, and, and of course, it doesn't have to be true to cause havoc in, in people's lives. And, uh, you know, we live in an age where news travels really fast, don't we? Literally a couple of seconds, thanks to the, the Internet and social media. But in a small town like Flintstead, which is where the novel is set, it's a, it's a fictional town, something told to one person and can spread very quickly. So I suppose it's like a microcosm of, of what can happen in the wider world too, I suppose, in terms of stories that go viral and where people who don't really know the full facts or the context behind a story start expressing opinions. So um, I thought it would be a, a, good, a good premise for a novel to see you know, what would happen as that rumour spread and, and the repercussions of it. You, you did create a very thrilling novel around this rumor. It did draw me in, and it got me thinking, what was the genesis of this book? What caused the initial kernel for the rumor? Was it an idea, something you saw, yes. something you heard, something you experienced? Well, funnily enough, I heard, I myself heard a rumor very similar to the one that my main character hears. Um, I w- obviously won't say who it was about because then I'd be spreading a rumour, <laughs> but I heard a rumour. Um, and um, it was about a notorious person, a, you know, a criminal, who was said to be living in a safe house in my in my neighbourhood under a new identity. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm pleased to say I didn't pass the rumour on, but I did think about it for a while, and I remember passing the houses, you know, that I walk by every day and looking at them and thinking, gosh, I, you know, I wonder if one of those is a safe house and how would I know? Well, I wouldn't, would I? <laughs> um, and I remember looking at people I passed in the street, you know, people who were the right gender and the right age and just thinking, oh, my gosh, I wonder if it's you, you know. Um, so I suppose that idea just percolated in my head and um, that, that notion of somebody with a dark past you know, in a terrible secret trying to, to, to assimilate into a new community. It kind of resonated with me as a, as a 
good idea for a, for a psychological thriller. So that, that was the genesis, really. I heard a rumour. Uh -huh. But I'm pleased to say I, I, I didn't do what my main character does. I, I didn't pass it on. <laughs> As a debut author, well, you're really not because, as you've said earlier, this is your fourth novel, but it's your first published one. How did you find the writing process? Was it lonely? Was it enjoyable? Was it easy, difficult? Well, I love the writing process. You know, that time when I'm alone in my study, creating new scenes and characters and, and, and trying to work out what happens next. That, that for me, is, is the absolute best part of being a writer. Um, you know, I really enjoy that solitude of, of intense creativity. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy the more sociable side of it, too. I love meeting readers, promoting the book, doing this sort of thing. That's, a, that's good fun. I love that. But I think if you don't like the writing side of things more, then you're in trouble because being an author means spending an awful lot of time on your own talking to yourself so i i love that process it's it is i wouldn't say it's lonely because i, I it's 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 solitary rather than lonely i think um you know many writers enjoy their own company because they like to get on and write it's not easy it, it can be difficult and frustrating but it's very very fulfilling when you get it right and when something works <laughs> Every author has a different answer to that question. It's a, such a personal experience writing books. That's it's it's, it's uh, your answer. It's a very uplifting one. Uh, I think I've got at least one book in me, and your answer gives oh, me. Oh, I think everybody's got one book in them, haven't they? So they say. <laughs> your answer's given me a bit of hope. A, a, a very important aspect of the rumor is how society, in your case, British society, deals with child criminals. The entire judicial process, rehabilitation, it might be in some f facility that's a prison mm -hmm. type of facility. And then if they were very young when they, were, when they, when they committed their crime, mm -hmm. eventual reintegration into society with a very important protection that the state will afford the child or now the young adult at a great mm -hmm. cost to the society. And this becomes yeah. a major aspect of your novel what caused this instant is this interest how did you research this dimension of the novel because a lot of this really is shrouded in secrecy and mm. uh, do you know any such people i don't know any such people no um but i have always been interested in those very high profile cases of, of children who kill or or injure other children i mean thankfully they're quite rare but they always attract acres and acres of press coverage. Um, often it's sensationalist press coverage. And, and, and I think the fear and the panic they induce in society is something um, that, you know, that's very interesting to me. I suppose they, you know, these sort of cases challenge our, our perception, don't they, of the innocence of childhood. And um, I, I wanted to explore how we, how we monster these children. And we, we seem to judge them far, far more harshly than we do adults who commit similar crimes. Um, that's not to say they, they haven't committed the most atrocious and, and heinous crimes, but in practically all those cases, these children are often victims themselves of the most sort of appalling neglect and abuse. Um, but I was also, and I did, I, I, I did a, quite a bit of research into witness protection in, in the UK. Um, obviously, it's quite difficult to, to find out about that in detail because it's by its very nature it's a very secretive program 
Um, but I did as much as I could. Um, and I was also very interested in, in the victims' families and how incredibly difficult it must be for them to see, you know, the perpetrators of these dreadful crimes being given a second chance, you know, being unable to start again when, when the misery and grief of the, of the victims' family just goes on and on unabated and, and, and where they're, they're fair game for press intrusion because, you know, in this country, the, the, these people that have killed as children, they are given anonymity. As you said, they're given lifelong anonymity when they're released. Um, so the press can't go to them whenever there's an anniversary but they go to the victim's family because they know where they are and they're allowed to report on that. So that was, that was something I also wanted to explore, how the, that sense of justice is never really done as far as the victim's family is concerned. I did inspire it. But, uh, sorry, I did base it very loosely. Or it was very loosely inspired by, by a couple of real-life cases in the UK. There was a case of some, uh, uh, a child killer called Mary Bell, and then I'm not sure if your listeners will will know of that case, but she, she killed two little boys back in the 1960s in the UK. So I, I did read up on, on some real-life cases and get some background information as well. We are in conversation with Leslie Cara. She's the author of The Rumor, discussing some of the research that went into the book. It is a domestic thriller, and it shows the power of rumors. We'll continue the conversation just after this break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We are in conversation with Leslie Cara, the author of The Rumor. The main character, Joanna, she's a very interesting character. Can you introduce her to our listeners? Okay. Um, well, Joanna is a single mother. Um, she does have a, a rather unusual relationship with the father of her son. In, you know, she, she still has an ongoing relationship with him, but he, 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 at the start of the novel, he's not, he, he's not living with them. Um, now, she's an estate agent, um, and she's just recently moved back to be in this small seaside town to be near her mother because um, her son was being... She, she was living in London before, and her son was being bullied. So she's moved to this small seaside town to try to give her son a, a better life, you know, um, in a quieter, a quieter place. She's, she's not really a gossip, Joanna. She's not a bad person, um, but she, she passes the rumour on because she's trying to penetrate the clique of mums at the school gate. You know, she's trying to find a way into their inner circle so that she can make friends with them and that hopefully help her son settle into school. So although she does pass this rumour on, I wouldn't say she's a gossip. And she, she does feel bad about it afterwards and, and does, you know, it is... It, 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 is sad that she's she's actually escalated this rumor. Uh, it, it, it does show that the power of rumors and to initiate mm. them doesn't only sit with gossips; it's anyone. And you know, Joanna's trying to advance her own integration within the small, close-knit seaside town, and she's trying to look yes. after her son. So she very innocently stumbles 
into the rumor. One of, one of the things that drew me to this book so much is that in Jewish tradition, there's a big emphasis put on what we speak and how we speak. And mm. there's a big category of forbidden talk that we call Loshon Hora, which means evil speech, gossip, slander, lies. And there's a huge emphasis, which we put on society, in schools, in shuls, in synagogues. On, there's often talks about and lessons and classes and themes in education about how bad mm. it is to spread lies or to spread rumors or even to tell over the truth if you know it's going to be inflammatory. So I found that that was a very big draw card for me to pick up the book, The Rumor, and to read it. Just your thoughts on all of that. And is, I, 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 did, I didn't, sorry, I yeah, think the line is quite bad. It, I didn't catch the last question of yours. Especially in today's age with so oh, much right. social media and you can, you can, you can, transmit information so quickly. So just your thoughts on the power of speech and the responsibility of each person to watch what we transmit. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, rumors and gossip can be extremely dangerous, as we all know. But, uh, you know, I I think that we're all guilty of it sometimes, to a greater or or lesser extent. We we know it's wrong to, 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 to spread rumors, to gossip, but I think it's it's kind of human nature, isn't it, to be curious about others. And I think the thing is, if, we, if we're going to tell someone something, we usually always choose a very close friend, someone we can trust not to say anything. And, of course, they then choose a close friend of theirs, uh, someone they can trust. And that's why the, the, the rumour sort of spreads like a virus, doesn't it, from from one person to the to the next till lots of people know and it can get out of hand. Um, I think that's why I, I wanted to set the rumour in a small town because um, that's, that, that, that would, I thought that was the best place to set it because rumours can spread much more quickly in a small community than they can in a big city. Um, in a city, you know, you're, you're spread out, aren't you? And rumours tend to sort of fizzle out because people work in one area of the city and live in another. But in a small town, you're all, you're, you're going to know most, not all of the all of the people, obviously, but you're going to know a lot of them, and things get out very quickly. Then, but rumours and gossip are very dangerous. I, I did want to explore that in the novel, definitely. And you did, you did with with with, with great success. Thank you. <laughs> How did the rumor make its passage from manuscript to being publishing? Was there any fairy godmother agent who took the book and pushed it into an editor's hands? Is there a story? Okay, there is a story. There is a story. Um, I went in for a competition, actually. I went in for the Daily Mail Penguin Random House first crime novel competition. And although I didn't win it, I was a runner-up. Um, and that's how I secured my agent because the my agent was or my agent's partner was one of the judges on the competition and so um, I secured my agent via that competition and um, when we when we started sort of submitting my novel to publishers they said oh what is she writing something else and so I was at that time writing the rumor um, so that the, the, the novel that I entered the competition with wasn't, in fact, the rumor. That's my next novel. <laughs> but 
but the, the publishers liked the, the one I was starting to write, The Rumour, and they said, could we publish that first? We'd like to publish both of them, but we'd, we want to go with The Rumour first. So that kind of threw me into a panic because I had to finish it <laughs> very quickly. Um, so, yeah, so I got a, I got a two-book deal through doing a competition, which um, I would always advise would-be writers to go in for free competitions because they're a great way of, um, you know, getting attention if, 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 you know, an agent picks up your work. Um, so, so I'm lucky in a sense because my second novel, which is coming out in December, I've already written because that was the one I wrote first. So I, I kind of did things back to front. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Last question. What do you read when you're not writing? Uh, well, I have a very wide taste in reading. Um, I do read a lot of crime novels because obviously that's my genre and I, I love crime novels. And I kind of grew up reading all the Ruth Rendell and P.D. James books. Um, and I, I, as a writer, I also get sent a lot of proof copies to, to read and comment on. So I do get sent a lot of crime novels. But I love, I love all sorts of, um, of books. I love literary fiction. I've just read um, Sally Rooney's um, Normal People. Um, I'm also about to start on um, some non-fiction because I haven't, I've been reading so much fiction. I, I thought it was about time I started reading some non-fiction. So I'm about to start on um, Michelle Obama's memoir, Becoming, which has been on my bookshelf shelf for, for some while now but you know time for reading is very precious and so I, I you know I have to sort of squeeze the bits I want to read in with all the other bits I get sent as well so but I, I love reading I read all the time it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the radio show and wishing you every success with this book the rumor and then your next book which will most probably hit South African shelves in January next year and thank you for your time and thank you for sharing with us Thank you very, very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.